All right, fellas, we are live for episode number 106. So repping jerseys. I'm the loser on the pod today. Oh, but uh, got to stay true. I had that Philly shirt on yesterday. It was disgusting. I wanted to take it off, but. Did you burn it? No, I'm just going to. It's, it's, it's going to become an around the house shirt. That's what it's yeah. going to become, yeah. Use it to like dust up for surfaces and stuff. Not a bad idea. We'll, we'll see what Harden does and then I'll make a decision with that. But yeah, so we are live. We're just going to be doing a conference finals preview. This is the Diving Deep Show podcast. Didn't even say that. Uh, my name is Rudy. Got Jason. We got our boy John in here joining us once again. Yeah, we're just going to dive into that today, man. So which series do you guys want to start with? Because we got a little rivalry going on over here. Oh, we yeah. got to start. We got to start here. But you know what? It's funny, Jason, because uh, What's up? you picked the Nuggets to win the championship. And uh looks like you're turning a little bit or what's going on? So yeah, bit a bit of a conflict here because honestly, John, like I've 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 loved what I've seen from your team the entire year. I think from start to finish, y'all have been the most impressive. Rudy can vouch for me. I've been on this Nuggets team the entire year. I just I've been saying it for years. I just wait till you know Jokic gets some actual help and isn't playing playoff games with Compazzo and Austin Rivers and Will Barton as you know his Thank main you. guards. Just just wait till we get a little bit better than that, and then we can properly evaluate Nikola Jokic. <laughs> Finally happens, and what do you know? Conference Finals appearance, first time they're all healthy in years. It seems like, um, but gosh. you're good. Good. So hear me. We can hear you. Yeah. It's a little fuzzy. You just gotta plug your mic back good. in real quick. Oh, Try to plug it in and plug it out. But your your video is good though, and your points Sorry. are all factual. Good. So I can jump in a little bit too. Uh, this yeah. Nugget team, they're also peaking at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. Hit it. You can finish. I think you're good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah. So sorry about that. Uh. So basically, start to finish, I've been on you know this Nuggets team the entire year. I you know I want to say they were my preseason pick, but I, I don't know if I went with them. But I would definitely during the season once I saw the form and how amazing this offense has been with Nikola Jokic, just honestly at his absolute apex, he he's just to me the best in the world. Um, obviously, starting the season, this Laker team looked a lot different. So going into the year, you know, wasn't high on them at all. I didn't love the team. Obviously, a lot happened since then. We get the All Star break, and then. We had the season turnaround due to the trades, and, you know, I was still kind of reserving, you know, holding back, like, hey, I want to see something. Like, I, I just want to see my guys out together. I want to see them gel because I, I know what, you know, a LeBron-led team is capable of doing, a team with Anthony Davis as the second-best player who, you know, starting he's ascending into that first-best player but that we've been waiting for years for him to do. Um, and I, I just I, – I, I, it, this series, it, it's it scares me, man. I, I'm like my my head is telling me Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are the better team, but I got my heart's telling me Lakers. I got to rock with the Lakers, man. There's no way. I know they were, you know, my pre-playoff pick to win it all, and I, I feel you know validated in doing so because to me, they've probably been the most impressive playoff team thus far. And but I, I got to rock with my boys, man. I got to rock with LeBron James. Got to rock with Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves. These boys are killing uh, Lonnie Walker, uh, D'Lo. He, he's, you know, don't love him as much, you know, as I'd like to, but he, he, I'm coming around on him, man. Um, I just think we got it, what it takes to get it done. It, it's got to be seven, though, man. I, I just don't see a scenario where this series ends in less than seven. It, it's going to be a tough one, but I'm working with the Lakers. I do agree with you. 
Hold on, now. hold on, guys. Are, are they saying? Vo- Someone said no volume. Can y'all hear us or not? We got a couple people in the chat. That's definitely important. Yeah, I mean, you someone said someone said no volume. I'm not sure, but everything's plugged up over here. Yeah, it was probably earlier. I think I just pulled it up. It sounds fine. It sounds fine. Okay, all right. If we have any issues, let us know. Again, I'm not sure. Maybe I can turn this up. I don't know. No, we're perfect. I checked. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Shout out to Q. He's man. Q's a he's a real one, bro. Appreciate him. All right. But sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Point, Jason, I do think this is gonna be a six or seven game series, but we often see at the Lakers, and this is kind of the disappointing thing, when they get beat, they get beat bad. So the best games in the series will be probably box office, but there's probably gonna be a few games in the mile high where I think the Nuggets is completely wipe them out. Maybe game one and game two. And I think this is a classic series where you can't react up until the road team wins because the Lakers have been resilient all year long. And I will give them a lot of credit because Anthony Davis, man, is probably the best defender in the entire world right now. And defensively, he's been the absolute backbone all year long. But I think this has kind of been the best we've seen from him ever since their 2020 run. I don't think he's been as good as he was then, but in terms of the shot block and counting stats, he has been better. So I want to give him that nod. The question, though, is how well will he defend Jokic, who is 260 pounds, one of the toughest post scorers in the league with unbelievable touch and arguably the best offensive center we've ever seen. To me, it's quite clear it's him. So this matchup for him is going to be tough because he's going to have to bang with him in the post, something he didn't like doing in the past. And all year long, what's been a huge tip in the cap of Anthony Davis or in the hat, it's been the fact he's played the center position willingly. But it was matchups against a Jokic where he didn't want to be the one guarding intently on the post exclusively because his best value is playing more off the action where it can be a free safety roaming and creating havoc, not defending Nikola Jokic one-on-one. So I think Jamal Murray in this series is going to be a key for Denver. Oftentimes, they're going to look for him to create his own offense against an Austin Reeves. Well, whereas Jokic, he's probably not going to continue putting on the the numbers he was against the Jack Londales and DeAndre Ayton's of the world. So I want to talk about the Nuggets, but I just want to say, Jason, you I want to quote you because you tweeted this. You were like, put that Embiid Jokic debate, debate to rest. Yeah, just um, it. You know, I get it. You know, it, it's. It's easy to nitpick Jokic the past couple of years, MVP going out sad in the playoffs because, you know, you had the sweep with the Suns and then a uh, gentleman sweep last year to the Warriors. You know, it's not how you want it. And even like with the Embiid stuff this year, I, I told you before the game, I was I was rooting for Embiid. I don't want to see our league MVP go out sad. Like, that, that's not like we want, you know, these guys to get the MVP award and then come playoff time like, oh, this is why they won MVP. I didn't want that to happen, but ultimately, I you know, you know I was I was right. I was right. We don't oh. got to talk about Embiid. He don't deserve the airtime. <laughs> yeah, I just want no. I just wanted to say that because I've been back and forth, or always kind of been with Embiid, and I haven't really appreciated Jokic. And I just wanted to let the people know, like it's it's not a debate, man. It's not even close. Honestly, right now, it's not even close. But I do think about the Jokic and AD point. Uh, I mean, Aaron Gordon's going to be the one probably fronting AD, right? That's a good question. Aaron Gordon, I think, is going to be the LeBron matchup. When they acquired him at the 2021 deadline, one of the first guys 
that's name was mentioned was LeBron James. Everybody said, look, in this West, you have to guard Kawhi, LeBron, Paul George. In some years, now 2021, Steph, you have all these phenomenal wings and to an even greater extent, elite offensive creators. And so Aaron Gordon's best ability is going to be guarding James where physically he matches up so well. And I think the concern here will be what happens offensively for AG, who is an inconsistent shooter, for a Laker team that likes to leave inconsistent shooters wide open? Does his offense limitations start to eat into his minute totals and then gaining what he brings on the defensive end? And what are you all hoping to see uh, in terms – well, for you, Jason, like who's going to be guarding Murray? You, you want to see – because we talked about Vando in the past, but I mm-hmm. think guys like Russell and even Reeves could get – you know, they could get a handed to them if they're if they're not focused, you know. Murray can cook. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Jamal Murray does have that capability to go off on any given night, but then he also has a night to have a two for twelve kind of night. He he has that kind of volatility. So Dennis Schroeder, you know, and it's always a name that gets laughed at anytime you say Dennis Schroeder. But the dude fights on defense. He's a dynamo off the bench, spark plug kind of player, um, decent defender. Um, I I don't know if you know. Usually we want to use Vando on a guard like Steph Curry. That's a guy who can like legit take over a single game any given night. Jamal Murray, I absolutely can do that on some nights, but I'm not going to count on him to do that every single night. It's definitely going to be, we, we definitely got some bodies to throw at him for sure. I don't know if we just like, okay, like we did with uh, Steph, like, oh, let's just get one of our best wing defenders and throw him on Murray. I think we can, you know, afford it. Unless he starts cooking us, then hey, by all means. But This matchup is so interesting, man. I think the Lakers have a good shot at stealing a game. And within the first two, but in my opinion, and I tweeted this, they have to win game one or two if they want to win this series. I think going down 2-0 is tough because the Nuggets have proven that they can win on the road. And Jokic has been top two player, you know, performer in the playoffs so far. And he's locked in right now. I, I think Both if... undefeated at home. Yeah, I do think that yeah. if... They try to focus in on Jokic. I mean, he's just going to start to pick them apart, man. And we talked about AD. John mentioned him. He's 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 playing as good as he ever has defensively. But it's it's a different animal right now with Jokic, man. He's he's playing the best basketball of his career easily. And I think it's I, – I said Nuggets in seven, man. I got Nuggets in seven. I think it's their time. And, and the thing is, I would love to see LeBron win – win another championship or at least get to another finals. But I just feel the nuggets on this one, man. And it's no Laker hate. I promise. You've been picking against us all, all postseason, my man. I mean, this is a win-win situation for you, though, right? If I'm being honest, yes. If I'm being honest, yes. I, it, you know, it kind of feels a little gross to say as a Lakers fan, but – this is a Nuggets team I've loved. Like, Jokic, I've legit, I've been saying it for a while. Like, you can vouch for me. Like, this is one of my favorite players. And I love watching Nikola Jokic play basketball. I legitimately believe this Western Conference Finals is the NBA Finals. I think the mm-hmm. winner out of this game is going to win the championship. They are dealing with whatever team comes out of, out of the east side, whether it's Boston, whether it's Miami. I think this is the true NBA Finals. I think we are going to find the best team in the world come these two teams. And, hey, man, if it's not us, I, I'm glad – I'll be glad that it's the Nuggets. I can dig that because the Miami Heat, even if they get Tyler Hero back, are going to be worn down. And the Celtics, they match up well against the Nuggets offensively, but, I mean, I don't know. 
if Hal Horford can do the Joel Embiid special to Nikola Jokic. So I'm with you there. That being said, my prediction for the series, I'm going with you. It's going to be Nuggets in seven games. I'm expecting it to be a deeper series. I don't think it'll be as entertaining as Kings. Uh, so not Kings. The Lakers' first-round series versus the Grizzlies was had moments, but it wasn't that exciting at the end of the day because there's so many blowouts. This last Warriors series has had so many blowouts. Whereas, you know, the Kings and the Warriors were so close and so tightly contested. I feel like this might be some games amazing, but other games, it's going to be a letdown. Like, we're going to see a good amount of blowouts on one side or the other. So, y'all got LeBron James losing a Game 7. This is not the same LeBron. You saw what he did in Game 6 when it was time to really turn it on? I, I, I did. I you did. You don't think he's going to get up, he's gonna get up just, as, just as much for a Game 7? I mean, I think he will, but there's the question marks for everyone else around him. And this is a damn good team. This is one of the better teams he's had. This is obviously better than, like, 2018, you know. But he is older, and I've seen a lot of him settling – I don't know. I don't. I mean, like I said, I wouldn't want to doubt him, but I just think that, even like John said, this this series is gonna have some ugly games, man. There's gonna be some blowouts, probably one on each side. I think the Nuggets will blow them out a couple times. In the case, honestly, every series is playoffs out. Yeah, but just talking about this one, I can definitely see him for sure, man. I feel that. I can get that. Truth is, Nikola Jokic, coming into this series, has established his case to the best player in the world. And I don't think the Lakers can really take advantage of him the way a Warriors could. Like, the Nuggets wanted the Lakers in this matchup. If they had to guard Steph Curry and Klay Thompson in space, it would not have been pretty. Probably. Who knows? But this Lakers team doesn't have the shooting to really end Jokic defensively the way he has been in the past. It's like, that is the thing here. It's the lineups and the matchups at the end of the day. And I think... The Nuggets are pretty relieved. They got a much more criminal range. So we did y'all a solid, John, huh? You did. Well, we got a comment that says, uh, Grand Turismo, man, I guess I really am a casual, but the Nuggets are not scary at all. It's It's got to be the, the Nuggets' reputation because you, you, you need to tune in some 2023 Nuggets game because it, it's – Michael it, Jordan going to take him a seven, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. So just to touch on LeBron a little bit, I, I was talking about this on my Twitter. I think we were talking about this in, in our group chat, um, Jason. I don't know how – and we even talked about it on last pod. How impactful is this run for LeBron's legacy? Like just to say he wins or gets back to another finals and more so win it. I just – I don't see him moving up any further. Than, well, I mean, for the people who have met at one yeah. already, you know, it doesn't matter. But for the people who haven't met two even – even yeah, I go back and forth, but I feel like if, I, if I'm sticking him at two, I don't think this right here takes him to one, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I get that. I was, yeah, we had this discussion last week, and I'm pretty much of the same opinion. Um, it, most people have LeBron as low as two. It's really hard to move up when you're at two, and, you know, you're at a point when he's on a team where he's – in my opinion, the second best player. Like I, I said at the beginning of the playoffs, I don't think we're winning a championship unless Anthony Davis is our best player, unless he's that dominant beast on defense. And I'd like him to be a bit more con- uh, offensively consistent. But, you know, it, it comes and goes for the most part comes. So that's really good that we've gotten that from AD this playoff run. Um, but, yeah, at this point, 
everybody has their mind made up, whether they're a Michael Jordan guy, whether they're a LeBron James guy. I don't think this, like any any Michael Jordan number one guy is just going to say, oh, well, you know, he wasn't even the best player on the championship. Michael never did that. He was he was always the best player on his team. Six rings, six finals MVPs. Uh, but then on the LeBron fan side, you're going to say, dude, start off 2-10. and ten. The whole league laughing at us, 13th seed, 0.2% chance to make playoffs, all that BS, still come back. We get in the play-in, it's like, ah, oh, that team, it ain't about nothing. They're just going to lose in the play-in, and if not, they're going to get smacked in the first round. And we've just been overcoming every obstacle that's been put in front of us. So if at this point you have your mind made up on who you believe is the, is the GOAT, and I don't think this is going to change it. Yeah, I mean, there, there are some people on Twitter that think this run is fraudulent. The injured uh, Grizzlies, the That's the Warriors, the Warriors not Warriors shooting like well. I get it, but the Warriors shot like trash, man. I mean, look at Clay Thompson, look at Jordan Poole, and I'll and I'll say this: the Lakers didn't play to their peak either. But you know, th- this was not the same Warriors, in my opinion, that they just beat. Look, they say every year this run was a fluke. That run was a fluke. The real fluke was 2021. We saw the Hawks make it to the conference finals. <laughs> We're not going to do that again. The NBA bubble was not the real fluke that people made it out to be. And I feel like these last two years, we've seen a little bit more of that. And unironically, you've now seen the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics in the same exact matchup three of the last four years. And for the Nuggets and the Lakers, now that each of these two teams are finally healthy and have built well around their stars, well, what do you know? They're right back where they started. Full circle moment. You love to see it. You love to see it. I, the the whole bubble thing always kind of annoyed me. People who never even in that situation, everyone who came out of that bubble was saying how difficult it was. Not even just not even for the players, just for everyone that was there. Yeah. So like you said, it, it is a full circle moment for people to kind of just shut up about it, bro, and just enjoy the basketball that we have. We're just breaking down. We're nitpicking right now. We're just you know I'm trying to get on your nerves right now, honestly. <laughs> but I I, I want to ask you guys. To answer a question each, give me the two X factors for each team. I don't, either one of you guys go first. The Nuggets X factor is so exciting. There's two of them. The first one is Michael Porter Jr. And the second is Contavious Caldwell Pope. Those are your you boys, Jason. In that game six? Dude, he was finishing like Kyrie around the rim. And defensively, he's going to be active. He's one of the best hands in the game. He's running now with these guys. Look, those two shooters are going to make or break the series. If they get cold, Jokic is going to have to do a little solo action at times. But if they're as high as they were to end that series in game six, first the Suns, well, now the Lakers got to guard more in space, and they're letting Jokic go one-on-one, and everything opens up for that Denver team. It'll be scary. Yeah. It'll be uh, scary. Who are yours? Caldwell Pope, man. I miss him dearly. Every time I watch a Nuggets game, he's just always playing well. I must catch him on every good game because I never watch a, a bad Contavious game. And it's it's awesome because I, I loved him when we had him. Hated to see him go. Miss him dearly, but glad he's doing work over there with y'all. For us, it's got to be just uh, – I can't I, – I don't know if I can key in on one guy, but we've seen a theme throughout this entire Lakers playoff run. We have that one role player that, that's just we, – we had the Rui game. We had the Lonnie game. We've had um, Austin Reeves games. Um, it, it's got to be like just that same theme. Like we need we need a Rui game this series. We need a Lonnie Walker game this year. We need a Dennis Schroeder game this series. Like all these guys, like I, I can't afford just – 
stinkers from all of them mm. in multiple games where, where Cook, these are the guys like Lonnie Walker single-handedly won us a game. This is how like the, the talent pool on this, on this team just goes so deep and it, it gets a little tough, you know, when it comes to rotation because I, I think Rui efficiency has been amazing this year, but then you had some games last series where he's just getting like nine, 10 minutes because we're trying to find a rhythm in the lineups and he just doesn't get burned. But guys like Rui, guys like Lonnie Walker, like those, those guys are going to be huge as like perimeter scores that just need to come through and hit big shots for us. Like they did the past series or else like we're, we're cooked, honestly. I think it's definitely T-Lo and Austin Reeves. There's third and fourth best players because look, when they're hot, this Lakers team is damn near impossible to beat because yeah. you have so much perimeter creation. I mean, in the last three games, Austin Reese had, let me take a, a shot here. I thought it was 18. Yeah, he had 18 points per game. In the first three games, he had eight. And it, ironically, was when he started to make the shot that LeBron had less stress on him and then he yeah. was better rested to take over in the closing stretch. Uh, John, third best player on the championship team? You got laughed after that. They were they I were did get laughed at. When I said that, it wasn't about production. Right? So we look at a third best player on a championship squad. Oftentimes we say it's got to be a Kevin Love or Chris Bosh, this proven star. But to me, it's always been the connector, like a hub of an offense, like Kyle Lowry. Uh, more recently with the Lakers, it was Rajon Rondo. And when I said that, it was coming from the standpoint of, look, I think Austin's more consistent player than D'Lo. He's a better defender. You can argue at times he makes more of an impact off the ball. And he's not so reliant on the shotting, uh, the shoot, the shot making, shot making. Whereas D'Lo is so up and down, it's hard to count him in as the number three. So, yeah, I mean, third contender. He's probably the third most consistent player. He's chased around Steph Curry and Clay Thompson the last series. So yeah, I, I think he's just about the third best player in a contender. Jason, I need you to you owe me an apology, bro. You owe me an apology. But what I called I called Austin Reeves a potential connector for the Kings next season, and I was getting laughed at. And in the comments too, I was getting laughed at. I still don't think so. He could, I don't think that's, okay, what, I don't think that's I, what they need. I did take I, I'll take my L on the part where I said he could play three. He probably can't play the three for them. They they need to fill that else. But he can be the connector for them, the missing piece, so to speak. You know. Okay, so get it right, because I was laughing at you calling him a three. That's where the the Are you sure? I mean, I, but yeah. it, even in small ball, he can play there. Like, I, it's not crazy to say that. We've seen guys do it before. You know, I, I think a, a lot of what John's point about Austin Reeves was guys greatly benefit from the fact that he's playing with two top ten players. You go to the Kings, you're not getting that. So it's it's just, you know – one of those situations, grass ain't always greener. I love what Austin Reeves has been doing for us all year long. He's been amazing. But, you know, let's you know, let's be honest about the situation he's in. He's in a really good situation, and he is doing more than what he's asked to do. Hmm. Uh, he might be as good on the Kings, though. Really? I'm saying, man. De'Aaron Fox will leave so much pr- – like, he would draw so much pressure. And Austin Reeves will be a secondary ball handler. Like, it, he's, he's probably – Better ball handler than Malik Monk. Malik Monk's better as a catch and shoot guy, so if they can put the ball he, in his hands too. It's man, that's just opening up everything for them. Less stress on Sabonis as well. That's what I've been I thinking. Think Reeves is more built to play the Harrison Barnes role, whereas Barnes is a four and not a three. So uh, we got some people in chat. We got Q point out. It's hard to get Jokic in foul trouble 
because he's not really playing defense and he doesn't foul. Dude, honestly, I think that's going to be the key elixir as well. If the Lakers, who averaged the most three-throw attempts per game this year, get him into two or three in the first first half, well, then now you've got Monitor in his minutes. And it really does become a distraction to the team. Whether or not Michael Malone keeps him in the game, he's going to probably avoid every single foul because Dennis Schroeder is great at, great at flopping. And these guys really are. No, Darvin Ham denied it. And if the Lakers, the much bigger market here, are going to get the benefit of the whistle because you can see that, perhaps, well, then now Jokic is really going to be set by the eight balls. That's going to be pretty fun to watch. Hopefully that does not cost Nuggets this series. Three throws, but I think the game plan is immediately uh, attack Jokic. And like I said, try to get him in foul trouble because, I mean, who else could they potentially throw out there for size? I mean, DeAndre Jordan? I mean, what are you doing? Well, Thomas Bryant revenge here is for granting All his tracks, Thomas Bryant, Thomas Bryant. Oh, Jason. He, was getting, he was getting solid PT over here, and he, he was unhappy. Then he goes to Denver to ride the bench the whole year. Yeah, he's zero it. PT hey, now. Hey, wants, he wants to win a chip, bro. Come on. Hey, man. He ain't getting it this year. So last question on this, and then we'll move on to the next series. Do you, how much do you, of, of Vando do you want to see in this series? Jared Vanderbilt. Um, you know, I'm struggling to, you know, think about Vando's role in this series because, uh, you know, I feel like we have decent guards to match up with their guard play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, probably more so what he's been getting. Maybe, you know, come fourth quarter time, you know, just because this team, you're going to have to match them offensively a lot of games because it is the best offense in basketball and Vando just does about none of that. He gets those pickpocket steals and then fast break dunks. That's about, and then wide open corner threes that he usually bricks. Uh, that's about as much as he offers you offensively. So uh, it, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I'd hate to doubt my guys. I, I love watching Jared Vanderbilt play. He's absolutely winning player to me, but this is a series where you got to match them offensively. And I just, I don't know how much Jared Vanderbilt is going to affect that. That's a fair point. It's also another another revenge series because you know who trade him and didn't get PT in Denver, the Nuggets. So now he's going up against again Aaron Gordon, who fundamentally replaced what he was supposed to bring to the team, yeah. and they play the same exact role down there, uh, mm-hmm. at least pretty similar ones at the four. At four, yeah. All right, so give me your uh, John. You said Nuggets in seven. Jason, did you give a number for a series? Seven. Lakers in seven. Lakers in seven. Oof. Oh, I thought you took Nuggets for a second. So I was going with you when I made my initial prediction. I got my heart. You got to follow your heart sometimes. My head, it's been saying Nuggets all year, but you got to listen to your heart. Your heart's telling you the Nuggets too, right? Uh, nah, nah, man. You see the shirt, man. This, this is in my heart. Lifelong Lakers fan. Not a LeBron fan, a Lakers fan. Is that the shirt I got you? Yeah. Listen. Looks it's good on you. Looks good on you, bro. All right, so we're going to move on into the Celtics versus Heat. Man, who would have thought we were going to be seeing these Two teams face off in the conference, Eastern Conference Finals. Miami Heat, a play-in situation for them. And obviously we, the Lakers were a play-in situation as well. The Heat, they've been locked in. Uh, you know, avoiding – actually, you know, I was listening to another podcast earlier, and they were saying how losing one of those play-in games ultimately kind of helped them avoid the Celtics in the first round. Mm. And then they kind of get lucky with the, you know – you could say you could we could talk about that all day about Giannis, but ultimately they won that series and they they, they deserve to win it. 
They came back from two 10-point deficits. That ain't yeah. luck. No, but I just meant for like, just if you talk about the injuries, everyone's going to kind of let that hang over it. But when you look at the games, yeah. and we talked about Jimmy Butler, we had John on that episode. So they definitely sure. deserve to be here. Absolutely. Am I, cr- am I crazy for thinking? Am I crazy for thinking the Miami Heat are winning the series? No. Everybody's going to take the Boston Celtics. Most people, maybe not most, but many fans have them as the best team left, and they are the more talented team in the Miami Heat. But last year, Tyler Hero was injured. So was Kyle Lowry. Each of those two guys gave them really nothing. This year, you've got a healthy Kyle Lowry and Kevin Love. They're going to set charges. The outlet passing transition is going to be a difference maker, and the Celtics really struggle to execute versus Sixers. The Heat are a better transition team than Philly. I mean, Philly's one of the slowest teams in the league. And when I look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, while there's no Victor Aldipo this year to defend them, Eric Spolstra, man, is going to pull a trick out of his hat. He'll pull in a player that you've never heard of. It may be Haywood Highsmith this year, and he's going to defend one of those two wins. And it won't make sense, but it will when he's actually doing a pretty damn good job on him. I think that he could win this in six games. Most people will laugh at that because the Celtics are the better team. But just because of the better team doesn't mean I'm rocking with them. Give me what's going to be a top five coach when it's all said and done, Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler. I may look crazy now, but with all this shooting they've got coming off that hot series, I mean, they've been the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round, and they won every single game Giannis played. They were the more clutch team. They had way more poise. And then in round two, they took care of business against the Knicks team that a lot of people are hyping up. Look, I think they're going to do a damn good job against Robert Williams, who can't space the floor, and they're going to leave him. And then defensively, man, they're just going to get more stops than the Celtics. That's a bold one, man. But honestly, it's not crazy. You know, the Heat, they're locked in. We already said that. I, I've been perplexed on who to take. I'm No way in hell I'm rooting for these Celtics. This is not the, the 08 Celtics that I fell in love with. I think the X factors for me are going to be Bam out of bio, if he can be consistent offensively, just show up. And honestly, you know, Gabe Vincent, if he can hit his shots and be effective in the offense, that's a big part for them. And then, of course, Lowry off the bench. I'm taking the heat, man. It's Jimmy Butler, bro. He's getting back to the finals. I know the script is, you know, written for the Lakers and Celtics, but honestly, fuck the Celtics, bro. You know. (laughs) Can always respect some good old Celtics hate. Can always respect some good old Celtics hate. Um, so this is definitely, yeah, like Rudy said, this beginning of the year, how the heat, you know, just uh, to all of us had just an abysmal offseason. We were all clowning them. You know, you're a shot away from going to the finals, and you do virtually nothing to improve your roster. We were all clowning them, but really we were the clowns because the Heat just have this culture where they, they believe in their guys, and they know, you know, we can coast our way through the play through the regular season you know there's going to be some ugly games against charlotte here and there you know a bad game against detroit whatever but you know we as long as we're playing basketball in may that's what that's what we're here for and this is a team that absolutely flips a script come playoff time and you know one of the like john said about uh eric spolstra one of the greatest coaches we've ever seen man this is this this is a team that's just built for big time games and the flip side of them the Boston Celtics, I was definitely, you know, a lot higher on them last year. Uh, I've been pretty critical of them throughout their entire playoff run. Like, I just, you know, going to six with the Hawks, you had no business getting in a series that close with them, in my opinion. 
Then the following one, you get Tatum having stinkers for three quarters or like six games in three quarters and goes absolutely ballistic in that game six, fourth quarter and just has an absolute masterclass in game seven against the Philadelphia 76ers. He was masterful in that game. It's it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with the Celtics here, but I really don't feel good about it at all. It, it's just, I, I just, I'm, I'm rolling with the talent here. You know, it, it, it's, I, I don't feel good about it. I, I haven't liked the Celtics team. As much as I did last year, I like their defensive identity that they had with um, Ime Udoka last year more more so than the like offensive oriented way they've been this year. And just again, reminding me of just that 2018 Rockets team where just chucking up threes left and right, living and dying by the three. It's it's a dangerous it's a dangerous game, very dangerous game. And you know, I I, I think they have the guys for it. You know, they go like nine guys deep come playoff time. Of, of serviceable serviceable players more than serviceable actually um it, it yeah like I, I like i said guys i don't feel good about it but i'm rolling with celtics in seven. Oh, we can't hear you john can't hear you you shouldn't feel good about it man because i agree with you i like the celtics better last year why grant williams doesn't play i don't understand robert williams does not look the same and you have malcolm brogdon you are yeah but your team is dependent on the three-point shooting. And the Heat had a much better game plan against that than the Sixers. The Sixers took the approach of, we're going to run the offline. That was up until game seven where they couldn't get around screens. But this team will compete better at the point of attack. And they've got Bam waiting in the mid-range area. So it's going to be harder for Jason Tatum to find that rhythm that he depends on to be that three-level player that wins in these types of games and these types of moments. He was phenomenal in game seven. A 51-point game is the most ever in that setting but at the end of the day man this is a matchup driven league and the heat last year had answers for them it was a talent deficit and while they're still at a talent deficit this year i just think they're more well-rounded and eric spolstra has a better feel for this group with the continuity and the touch that he's had on the back end like all of these randoms that are maybe like the randoms i'm mentioning or alluding to that's a hayward highsmith that i think in this series is going to be huge in that role off the bench like no one knows these guys but they're going to execute defensively and play connected together for 12 minutes. And that group plays what Vio brought to them. And fun fact, this is kind of weird to look back at. Last year, Vio was third for them in points per game. A lot of that was in garbage time, but that's that's pretty wild. After Jimmy Butler, no one scored over 15 points on that Miami team, and they still almost won the series despite the score of 99 points per game. Or maybe it was their offensive rating. I'm mixing up the two. Well, yeah, to speak on Spolstra, I think it's crazy. Like, it's just he deserves a round of applause because losing Hero, a chunkier offense like that, and then to just be able to to just bring this group together, veterans, some young guys in there, and guys like Caleb Martin have just been playing his ass off. And like I said, Bams to me is the, is the X factor. Jimmy, I think we're going to need some – we're going to need some 30-point games from Jimmy, at least, at least two. Um – like I said, Kyle Lowry, Gabe Vincent, these guys got to hit shots. Kevin Love, he's been pretty inconsistent. He had one game against the Knicks, like 0 for 7 from 3. I think he had a couple 0 for But if, mm-hmm. if these guys Al Horford hit, will too. Oh, yeah, Al Horford, is, this man can't hit the rim right now. <laughs> but he has been doing it. He did a damn good job against Joel Embiid. But I can honestly put more of that on Embiid, just not being locked in. 
this is just a matchup, man. That this is tough, but to me, it's just a Celtics hate I, right now. I'm, I I can't cheer for him. Definitely respect that for sure. Is our blind spot here Jimmy's ankle injury? Because look, two of us have the Heat, but Jimmy did not look the same last three games. Last four versus the Knicks, he did not. I think that's a factor. But also, when you just talk about things that could hinder the Celtics, we got to look at. We've had, just like Jason said, a lot of Celtics fans were not confident going into Game Six, going into Game Seven, because of, we've seen issues with Jalen Brown not getting the ball at the end of the games. We've seen Tatum, which is some of the worst ways to start a game leading into fourth quarters. But then he cleans it up, and like you said, Grant Williams not playing. Robert Williams, he's been he's had some really good moments, but again, they just started starting him again. And Missoula, to me, now he's got to readjust. The Sixers were only playing really one way, and that was easy to adjust to, in my opinion. But to, at the end of the day, it just came down to making shots. And I think the Heat will put even more pressure on shooters and will close out a little bit better. So that, that's really one of the big reasons why I'm taking the heat. It's not just the heat. It's, I'm looking at it, you know, with the eye test, and, and I think that uh, Spolcher's going to outcoach him. But Butler's injury is something to be concerned about. I can understand this, the heat pick, honestly. Like, again, like you said, they're, they're heavy underdogs in this series, and I don't really understand why they have the better coach. Just the volatility in this Celtics offense is just—it's kind of disgusting to watch sometimes. Like it's gross. Like you're just jacking up threes, and when they're falling, obviously it's going to look great when you're making you know twenty threes a game. But when you're you know five of thirty, then you know it's like all right, this is try something else. The shots are not falling, and it's like they have their way, and they're going to stick to it. And I just to me it, it comes down to I don't know if the Heat this year have the firepower to match that, and if they do. Man, kudos to them for all this this entire postseason run. Kudos to them if they're able to overcome the Celtics team. If Jimmy Butler goes to the finals this year, and even if he doesn't win, let me repeat this. If Jimmy Butler goes to the finals this year and puts on a fantastic performance, maybe doesn't win, but it's a second impressive display, where does he rank all time among the best small forwards? See in the top 10, top 8? I mean, look, can we do can we do the list real quick? We can. Okay, so, so at number Bird, one is Bird, LeBron. I don't LeBron know. LeBron. Oh, why'd you say Bird first? It's just the first thing that came to my oh, mind. Come man. on, I man. I wasn't doing it in order. So LeBron, Bird. Um, number Durant. three for me would be Kevin Durant. Yeah, Kevin Durant. Uh, Julius Irving. Mm. I'm torn between him and Scotty at four. I was gonna five. say Scotty. I would put Scotty at four personally. Okay, that's fair. That's, yeah, that's number two ever. But Julius Irving and me would be number five. Okay. okay. Looking at what, like Elgin Baylor next or something? Kawhi. I would go Kawhi honestly. Paul I'm taking Kawhi over Scotty. Really. Okay. Yeah, I would have Kawhi given his look. Kawhi's regular season resume is like for an all-time performer, pretty mediocre. I would have him at six, right below Doctor J. And it's also the injury stuff too. That he's been a two-time Finals MVP. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's keep going. Let's keep going. So we're at seven then. 
Yeah. Um, then they, they, we're getting into old guy territory. So yeah. John Havlicek, Rick Barry. Elgin Baylor. James Worthy. James Worthy. I think he's going to be in that, you know, you talk about like that Dominique Wilkins tier. Mm. Above that, if he makes another finals run. Here's my thing. The degree of difficulty in Jimmy Butler's era <clears throat> is greater. Like Dominique Wilkins, seven-time All-NBA performer, was top five player during his day. Yeah. But Jimmy Butler in the playoffs has done this on every team. Everywhere that he's won. Chicago has not went to the same place without him. Timberwolves, what do you know? He leads that team to the playoffs. Couldn't get back in four years. 76ers, they have not had a better team since he's left. And now for the Heat, it's been that constant theme of every team that he goes to, he makes better, like a Chris Paul. And his career, I think, will age very gracefully if he gets to the finals a second time. Even if he doesn't win, even if he doesn't win, I think a second finals appearance would put him in that. James Harden camp as superstars minus the MVP because while they're two very different players, one's more the regular season guy, the other's the playoffs, I think that make Butler known as one of the greatest all-time players never get it right. Clear as Harden, honestly. Yeah. I know it's a different position, but I'll, I'm, I'm going to open up that can of worms on our episode later this week. I'm disappointed in that, man. Oh. Yeah, you should. You shouldn't be disappointed at this point. You better take down them Harden jerseys. Before I love them. I love them. I'm going to preface it by saying, James, I love you, but we got to be real here, man. But you know what? Have we dismissed the notion that the Heat are going to the finals this year? Is that fair? I mean, we, we did it before, all yeah, before we, we the playoffs started. The it, was, it was easy to do before the playoffs started because I think when you – go back and look at teams that were coming into the playoffs, you can apply to the Lakers that they were hitting their stride. And they were even having moments, you know, without LeBron James and Austin, when guys like Austin Reeves were stepping up without him. But when you look at the Heat, when they were coming into the playoffs, they looked gross. They did not look like Kevin Love was not fitting. He wasn't. There was times where he wasn't playing. Kyle Lowry was hurt. Uh, Duncan Robinson. Playing. Dropping that first playing game. Yeah, I know. And then Duncan Robinson, who is now just playing, like they they did not look ready to to get back to where they were in the past. And then when Tyler Hero went down, it was like, okay, well now nothing's really gonna happen. But they've proven us all wrong. So we'll obviously break down, you know, the series get leading up to to this one, you know, later. But right now, you gotta respect them, and I think it's not crazy because we know that the Celtics. They just have question marks. And we know they were in the finals last year. I can respect that. But I think they have ball handling issues when it comes to Tatum and Brown. Like, we've seen games with Marcus Smart taking the last shot twice in a game. And their offense is, you know, it just sputters at times. And Jason brought it up. They're like the 2018 Rockets shooting a ton of threes. So, but just talking about the heat. Um, John, what was your question again? I forgot what you said. You said... I might have heard it wrong. The question was, have we dismissed the notion this year that the Heat are winning the NBA championship? Not going to the finals, that they can beat a Denver Nugget team led by Nikola Jokic, or Jimmy Butler can beat Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Like, is that a real possibility everybody does not want to accept? Okay, I thought you said getting there. 
winning, yeah, I, I, I made don't. A mistake. Okay, yeah, that's win, what I did say. Yeah, winning, no. The like I said, like Jason said, I, I think you said it too. The Western Conference Finals team is winning the championship. So you don't think that basically you don't think that he had what it takes to take on either team. Unless AD is having stinkers and LeBron is just not, you know, playing, you know, up to a high, you know, to a higher level. But they could beat the Lakers. They're not beating the Nuggets, bro. They, they could get swept by the Nuggets, in my opinion. I agree. Would you have said there's any chance they could beat the Bucks coming to the playoffs? Mm. What percent? I don't know, man. I don't know. Let me ask you this: When Giannis went down in Game One, what percent of what percentage of a chance did he give the Heat to win that series, knowing he'll miss next one or two games? I think there's people out there saying that. No, they're like like when we talked about teams that were down three one, we're like, oh, Bucks, yeah, they're gonna do it. They 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 can come back, and the Heat handle business, man. So John's got a point. He's got a point. We were doing we we had recorded an episode right before that uh, that game five, and they were down three one, and we were kind of just talking like we we're like oh yeah Bucks like they should be able to, like this is the most likely three one comeback scenario because there were like three others at the time like oh yeah this is the one the Bucks you know should at least handle business tonight and nah Miami said none of that stomped them out in their home and just it was in Milwaukee correct yes it was yeah, that, that's impressive yeah. as hell dude yeah that's what I'm saying we gotta pay respect but when you're talking about Nuggets different level bro Lakers they're just healthier so and they're they have more talent so that's why I wouldn't take them to win a series versus Lakers or Nuggets unless something crazy happened you know yeah Okay. But yeah, so I think that's uh, good for our previews. We let's we got about ten minutes here. Let's talk about Monty Williams, man. He got fired, and I don't know how to feel about it. John, you're a Suns guy. I think I heard you say that uh, on the pod yesterday that you didn't agree with it. Yeah, my gut reaction was, man, firing Monty Williams is a bad move because the whole reason we fired him. It's because a new owner came in, and the standard Monty Williams said himself, <laughs> he didn't reach. Before Monty Williams, I watched Devin Booker for years go through five different, sorry, four different head coaches, none of which stuck. And I was like, damn, when are they going to finally find a good head coach that can rebuild this culture? And in one year, Monty Williams did it. He led them to the bubble. And this is a season where DeAndre Ayton missed 25 games after testing positive for something. And next thing you know, they're going 8-0 and in the bubble against four or five different legitimate playoff teams playing their guys. They're like, oh, wait, they've got a little something here. They get Chris Paul, and oh, wait, they're an NBA Finals caliber team. They're going to the Finals, right? Yeah, they had some luck yet there, but ultimately the next year they won 64 games. The guy won a coach of the year. I think he's truly a top-ten coach. He's going to get hired so damn quickly. But ah, there are these reports that Isaiah Thomas could become the next head coach. I mean, are you just trying to discipline DeAndre Ayton? Is that the whole point of it? Or do you really want to win a championship? The odds were if you fired Monty Williams, you weren't going to replace him with a better coach unless you can get Nick Nurse. But Nick Nurse, man, he wants that. And if you're going to be paying Monty Williams $25 million to still be on that payroll in the next three, four years because he got a contract extension last year when they're paying two coaches a total of $50 million, does Matt HBO really want to do that? Maybe. But at the same time, 
maybe his idea here is Brandon, his own guy, as a former Michigan State Spartan, his own guy might be a player he once revered as a kid, Zeke. Golly, would that be a questionable move, man? It's been a while since Isaiah's been on the sidelines. It was not pretty last time. I was going to ask, what team was that? I think it was the Knicks, right? I don't know. I'm going to have to jog back my memory. I want to say it was, I'm almost, I'm pretty certain it was the Knicks, but could be wrong. I don't see a coach when I look at Isaiah. And then the Knicks for two years in 07 and 08. Yeah, I remember. That's actually more recent than I thought it would be. Yeah. I'm casual. I'm casual. Okay, but I feel like ultimately why Monty got fired is because of the you know, the the game last year against uh, the Mavericks and then here again getting blown out on your home floor. And, you know, when people talk about DeAndre Ayton, how that relationship, you know, went with him and Monty, like, I don't, I don't know if Monty would have got more credit for playing Jack Londale sooner or, you know, trying – because the thing is, like, people say, well, you don't want to mess with a guy's ego by, you know – not playing him, but then at some point you have to be a coach and say, I cannot play this guy. But at the end of the day, like even though Lando played well, he wasn't able to replace him with anything better. And DeAndre Aiden has set that standard for himself as he's been a disappointing player. That's, to me, a big factor why. Also, you know, John talked about the, the bubble run. You know, the next year they go to the finals. I mean, that was a lot of Chris Paul coming in and playing at a very high level, in my opinion. Like, because we, we saw the drop off the next year, and then obviously Chris Paul has just unfortunately gotten hurt. And not only that, Devin Booker hasn't shown up in the closeout games. We talked about uh, game five, he was not very good, and Kevin Durant was inconsistent the whole series. And then in game six, he was even worse. So, you know, it's just going to come down to the new owner and what are you doing for me lately? And you've been losing in these situations where you're supposed to be a finals favorite or you look at it it's like a fraudulent finals run in my opinion um yeah it's you know another case of the consistent theme in the nba going on lately is just the incredibly short leashes that these coaches have um for lack of a better term you know first example of uh getting of that with frank vogel getting fired getting the axe last year you know after winning a championship in 2020 then you look at uh, Nick Nurse just very recently getting the Ags in Toronto after winning a championship as recent as 2019. And then just a couple weeks ago, Coach Mike Budenholzer winning a championship as recent as two years ago. And he's gone. He's out of a job at the moment. And <clears throat> it, it's, you know, but, you know, the difference here is that, you know, those coaches, you know, set a standard for their franchise of winning a championship. The Suns, you know, haven't. They've not won anything. So it's unfortunate that he was, you know, another example of that when, again, like John said, he, you know, it was a big part in turning this team around. You know, that bubble run, I I fully believe, like, yes, Chris Paul coming to that team helped, but they were starting to ascend towards the end of that season. They, To me, regardless of bubble and all that, that was a team that was going to be a playoff team the very next year, in my opinion, whether Chris Paul is there or not. Um, Obviously, having, you know, one of the best floor generals ever is, you know, a big help. But I, I definitely think a big credit of that goes to Monty Williams as well. And it's it's just unfortunate because I, I don't think, you know, this is the decision that's going to, uh, you know, 
propel them to success because if I'm being honest, is it a job that Monty was loved? You know, he was enjoying all that much. You know, you have a number one overall pick who you have to worry about his motor. You have a point guard whose body seems to be breaking down every single year and it gets worse and worse. You have a, a top three player, potentially top one player in the world in Kevin Durant, who just is going to miss about, 30-ish games each year. It seems to be increasing each year. Is this, you know, a, a position where where he was even content being? I'm not sure. So to me, this was a decision where I guess I, I think both parties are, you know, mutually, you know, uh, at peace with it. That's a good way to put it. Monty, like, he had a bench early on. They got nothing for Dario Sarge. They got nothing for Jay Crowder. Campaign was hurt. Jack Londo gave him good minutes until he's grinding into a pulp first. Nikola Jokic in game six, poor guy. But the Suns at first had a legitimate bench. They are nine or ten guys deep on nights where Javon Carter was giving them great minutes too back in his second year at the team. But, man, I can't put it on him when this year he had Landry Shamit as, like, his third best guy at the bench and his highest paid reserve. Should he have made a couple different decisions? Yeah, but I think, dude, he's going to have a much, much different narrative around him next year when he goes to a different team helps them take it to a different level unless it's the 76ers he won't do that and uh we're starting to really appreciate him as truly well the 10 best coaches at least i think you can still make a case he's outside the top five but not by much he can improve in adjustment adjustments but i think man he does not get enough respect and, and really just recognition for the type of role he played he comes in immediately you know, with ricky rubio bam they're a plow caliber team yeah. I will agree to that point. I will agree to that point. John, just real quick, your thoughts on Aiton. What's going to happen there? Huh. Oh, okay. So my thoughts on Aiton are not very positive. My thoughts on what's going to happen here is he's going to get traded to Atlanta or Dallas. And the irony will be those are two teams with two guards the Suns would desperately like to have. Kind of like Jalen Smith going to the Pacers – and Jalen was taken above another point guard that's on should have taken Tyrese Halliburton. The Mavericks need a center. I don't think tomorrow they're going to luck into the third, the first overall pick. They do have a 3% chance, though. Here's my prediction for DeAndre Ayton. He's going to go to the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks are going to get rid of John Collins. For heaven's sake, it's been seven years. And then they're going to swap Landry Shamit and Bogdan Bogdanovich. So the Suns upgrade in shooting. And they flip Aiton into a very similar player in Collins, who was also underwhelming this last season, but he was playing with a mangled finger. So next year, if he gets back to his usual levels from three-point range, I think that's more than adequate return for a guy that's a negative value contract right now. We get some comments from Q. He said Aiton for Terry Rozier and P.J. Washington. Man, where's Adam? Get his thoughts I on these. I love that trade. But here's the thing. I want to see them get JaVale McGee again. And that's why, to add a little bit of, I don't know, whatever sweetener to it, the Mavericks join in. They get Clint Capella, right, who's an immediate upgrade over what they have, which is nothing at the center position. But they're going to send Maxi Kleba to the Hawks. So now the Hawks, they're turning John Collins and Clint Capella, two guys that have worn out their welcome, into Maxi Kleba, who's been a starter on a Western Conference finalist, and DeAndre Ayton. I think there's more upside to that group. And the Mavericks are going to get a guy in Clint who's an upgrade, while the Suns get JaVale, Bogdan, and John Collins. I love that, actually, for those two teams. All three, excuse me. You going to push back on that JaVale McGee, Jason? Because you uh, 
tried to cook me when I said that they would they would rather have him. Mm, Even so at I this old age. Uh, you know, like I, I. It's funny that you say that because I've been trying to tell you that we should have kept Javale McGee all these years. Oh, we, I told know, you that too with him and Dwight. I, I would have rather had him over Dwight in my opinion, but you know, I digress. Um, but the whole, I, I just didn't love what I saw from Javale this year. So you know, he's getting a bit older. I, I just didn't like it. I thought he was bad this year, and you know, it could be you know. You know, maybe the bad situation in Dallas, or it could be, is he starting to be cooked? And so I'm just, you know, I, I'm rooting for him. I, I do like Javel when he's playing well, but I just did not like how he was looking this year. I thought last year that the Suns shouldn't have extended Aiden Reef. I've said that a million times. I thought guys like Clint Capella would be better for that Suns team. And I know John didn't, you know, say Clint to the Suns, but, you know, guys like that would fit a better role. And if you, you know, let's just say something like that happened, a rim-running center, and you, you know, if you want to keep Chris Paul, if you somehow he stays healthy, you know, that would be just, in my opinion, better. Clint Capella clears Aiton, bro. Clears him. I, what he does defensively is, uh, honestly, that's greater than Aiton's biggest strength because I don't know if he really has one outside jacking up a million mid-rangers. <laughs> God, his, watching him play, it's annoying. Because at the end of the day, when you just look at him from a talent, he you you don't mind him taking those shots because if he if he's hitting them and you see what he's capable of on the block, but he has no will to do it. And I know he can be annoyed by the fact that you know once Monty came in, it was clear that, and we knew that before. But maybe DeAndre Ayton never wanted to admit that this is fully Booker's team. He's the one. Are not sharing this one A one B. It's not. It's nothing like that. There's a one A, and you are lucky if you're two, because you don't play up to that standard every game. And you know, I hope they trade him, bro. That's that. It's re like retooling starts right there. Yes. And Chris Paul, I don't know what's gonna happen with that, but that could be. You know, I don't know who wants him at this point, but. Shanghai. Him and Dwight. I mean. Hey, that's, that could be deadly over there in Taiwan, man. Could be deadly. Could be deadly. All right, so are we done talking about the Suns? Yeah, you got to uh, be cackling over here. Got to be done talking about that. <laughs> that's enough. Okay, the Sixers ended their season in disappointment. Oof. Let's just give me two minutes on what's next for James Harden. Uh, losing in Houston. Sorry, um, I'm joking with you. No, hey, he's I don't going, mind it. Bro. He's going to the Rockets this offseason, and he's going to end his year, all of his years there on a max contract. Uh, sipping on that Cancun juice. <laughs> he's not even going to go to Cancun. He's going to go to the club, bro. That's where he's at. That's where he's at. Yeah, Rudy, you know, like whenever we were talking about this midseason and the whole that whole James Harden to the Rockets thing came out, I'm like, you realize if that's happening – your Sixers winning a title pick, that probably means that's not happening. There's probably going to be a pretty sad ending to that, that Sixers story this season. And that's exactly how it went. For James, as far as James Harden goes, what what does this guy want to do? Like, you know, you want to make a, more millions, you know, save some money with, you know, no state income tax over here in the good old state of Texas. Or, you know, you, you want to win some basketball games, which I, I, I just don't know where his head lies. To me, you know, he's probably content with just – I don't. I don't give a crap, and I just want to go home to the you know 
not his home, but you know, a place where he made his home in Houston all these years. And I, I, I don't know what this guy wants at this point. Cause I thought winning was his priority. I, that's what I thought he told me. You know, he left Houston to pursue a championship. We mm-hmm. have, we have the Nets conversation all the time. And now you look at what potentially we thought, you know, if the Sixers lose and Harden goes out swinging and you see him fighting, you know, to win, showing that will, you can see maybe someone wanting to join this guy if he comes back to Houston. And that was what really I was hoping for. Nobody's coming, bro. We'll be lucky to get Wimby, and it's going to be hard. The Harden show with a bunch of young guys, and that could just soil. I could see that happening as much as I would love to have him back. But I don't expect any winning out of that situation. You know, he had sneakers. John, John, what's your uh, lottery prediction? I think the Oklahoma City Thunder are winning. They have a 1% chance. Hmm. That'd be insane. My lord. Rudy, what, what 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 are you expecting? So I think the Spurs and us and I'm blanking on the other team that all have Detroit, yeah. I don't know, man. The feeling is like, I think they're preparing for Scoot, which is, you know, smart, given, you know, you're not sure if you're going to get the number one pick. And we'll cover this, you know, on the next episode. Yeah. But I wouldn't mind Scooter Wimby, you know. I've never been a fan of the tall guys, but this tall guy is a little different. And Come on. Ralph Samson and Yao Ming, you should be appreciative. He's a, he a, he's a Chet hater. But, but Sam Bowie and, and, and Greg Oden and, and Christoph Porzingis and all these <laughs> tall Jim guys. Chet Holmgren. Chet, Chet, unlucky injury. But like I said, uh, uh, Wimby's different, man. But Scoot is different, too. So I'm, I'm going to be happy either way. Honestly, if we get Scoot, I don't know when the free agency thing deals with or Harden would come here. If we get Scoot... Don't bring Harden. Harden, you can go play with the Suns or something. Stay in Philly. <laughs> go lose in Philly. Damn. So you're yeah. done on Harden? He's rejecting his goal. I'm not, I'm not done with Harden, but I, I'll tell you what. I got to switch up the jerseys in here sometime, bro, because hmm. it's just uh, I blindly followed this man into pain. And I was just felt bad because I'm like, it's Mother's Day. I'm, I'm like, what am I watching, bro? What am I watching? Let me turn this off yeah, and focus on family, you, bro. It was like, you know, that super hurtful thing your parents tell you. Like, you know, I'm not mad at you, James Harden. I'm disappointed. <laughs> yes. He disappointed you. I am disappointed. He hurt your feelings. But there's a lot of fans who don't care. They just want to see him come back. And he ain't going to be dropping 30 points a game, man. No, sir. But, uh, yeah, we don't need to talk about Jaw. I think we can end it here. Unless y'all want to just talk about how crazy this guy what, is. What's there to say, man? What is there to say at this point? I think he should, be, sus- he should be suspended for a whole season. You think so? That's what Chandler Parsons said. Yeah, that's Chandler Parsons' opinion. But, you know. <laughs> Grizzlies legend. <laughs> did, did, was he there when Jaw was there? No, I think he was in Atlanta. There's no way he played that long. Because he, he was, was in Atlanta by then. He was with the okay, yeah, he was with the Hawks. That was his last year in the league, um, tragically. But yeah, Jaw is just on another thing. You know, Julio bought me that thing. I'm like, do I should I take that down, bro? Like <laughs> <laughs> the little Funko thing. Yeah, the little Funko pop. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because again, at this point, like I I think even Stephen Jackson who 
was, you know, defending that guy to the grave last, you know, incident. He even, he, I saw a post where he commented on Instagram and said, yeah, he's dumb for that. Like, it, there's nothing to say. You're, you're, you're throwing your millions away. He's Literally, fried. you're going to cost your, yourself millions, you know, good chance he was making an all-NBA team this year, missed out on 20 million, and, you know, probably going to lose some endorsements after that. So, you know, I hope, you know, that's what knocks him into, you know, reality. Once, you know, that bank account starts dipping and, you know, he's not seeing the numbers he's used to seeing, maybe that'll, you know, get him right because it damn sure ain't the fans scolding him. Yeah, man, Grizzlies. Well, at least his friend Devontae Pax gained the notoriety. That's always good. <laughs> ah, John Moran, man. All right, well, I think we're going to end here. We only had an hour. John, you are the clutchest man alive. More clutch than James Thank Harden, you, bro. Realist. By default, hope. Appreciate it, yes. Thank you for having me. Yeah, appreciate everyone who's in the chat. Now we enjoy doing this. I don't know what day we're going to be back on, but make sure you guys tune in to John's podcast, Wise Guys. Pick a side. Check those guys out. And uh, stay tuned for us later in the week. Appreciate y'all Hello. boys, man. Go Nuggets. Is it Rocky? You can tune in then. <laughs> it's not a joke. They're winning the lottery tomorrow. We'll be covering it. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right, guys. Y'all have a good night. <laughs>